Welcome to Teaching Restored, where we help everyone as much as we can learn about how to teach the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Kevin Jones. I'm Julie Hillier. And this is a special conference edition. We just had conference, the October 2023 conference, general conference. We had it just by the time this releases, just over a week ago. And so it's still fresh. And okay, I gotta say, I gotta say one of the coolest parts of conference, Julie, for at least us here where we live, is that the prophet announced a temple right here. So we are crazy excited about that. I might've cried my eyes out. Like seriously, could not stop crying. I'm like, why am I crying? I'm so happy. I'm not even a crier. Oh, <laughs> it was awesome. I love it. Yes. Oh, the yeah. I, it, it's been incredible. I've watched even some, some one family had, I think it's called Ring. I think you can do this with Ring, but the, uh, Ring is one of those um, doorbells. I think you guys have one, right? You, the doorbell and you can see the video, right? But they have a camera in their house as well. We don't have that where we are. Well, there you go, burglars. Now you know. So, <laughs> so. Make it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying to make it really easy for people. But they had, they, oddly enough, were recording at the same time. And I guess it always records. I don't know. But it, it recorded when they, when it announced. And you could see them just jumping up going, oh, my goodness. How cool is that? It was, it was pretty neat. That was so Anyways. So, Julie and I, before conference, we were thinking, you know what? Let's try to pick out some of the things from conference that we thought would be very helpful in teaching. Now, Julie, you had a great insight and I had the same epiphany as well. Why don't you explain what you thought of as you were doing this? Well, it was so interesting because I thought, well, conference isn't usually about teaching. Like there might be a little something here and there, right? But I believe this when it comes to switching for answers to gospel questions as kind of a, a principle that you will always find what you're looking for. And when it comes to looking for things about teaching, I was shocked at how many times, I mean, it's a talk that has nothing to do with teaching. And I'm like, oh, oh that totally applies. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a little bit slow on the uptake sometimes, but I feel like putting the thought in my brain before, and you know this, you can go to conference and ask a question and somehow the spirit can speak to you. I, and that's, this is a subject like teaching, so to speak, is a subject that I didn't necessarily think, oh, you know, the Holy Ghost is going to testify to me about something. It, it was like thoughts, actual skill thoughts and changes that I could make that I know still came from the Holy Ghost, but they weren't necessarily on what do I need to change in my life? What do I need to? And it was awesome. I, I was a little bit kind of surprised by how much I found. And, and I felt the same way. I would hear something and I, and I thought, you know what? That has nothing to do with teaching. Although that's an awesome principle. That, that was pretty neat. Which is, is, is really teaching moment for me. Because so many times I go into conference and say, all right, let's, uh, let's learn what we're going to learn, right? Bring it on. Feed me. Right. But going at it with an eye of teaching was so very different. And I learned things that I would have never have learned because I had that perspective as well. Like I literally wouldn't have even heard some of the things that I heard. Right. 
without that, not even just what I learned, like it wouldn't have even stuck out to me had I no. not had a question in my mind. Right. So I think I'm going to be doing this every time. Maybe around different topics, maybe have, I don't know, I had teaching on the mind. Maybe I'll have two or three next time. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that many. I don't know if this little pea brain can do two or three topics at the same time and listen to conference and stay awake the whole entire time. All I was thinking when you said that is, man, you're an overachiever. Like I'm, I'm still sticking with lots. I'm I'm like, <laughs> I had to, like, I was lying in my bed trying to fight off COVID during conference. Do you feel that silly? is true? Yes. So my brain was already fuzzy and still things stuck out. The cool. spirit can cut through COVID. <gasps> I can testify. <laughs> I think, I think I, we're going to, we're going to trademark that. The spirit I think can cut through COVID. That says that anybody gets COVID, don't worry, the spirit can cut through it. <laughs> Here's your t-shirt. Hope you feel better. You yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So let's go through each of these things. Julie, you have a number of things. I have a number of things. We'll go for a little bit. See how long this go. We, you know, let's have a discussion. Why don't you go first with one of the insights that you learned? Okay. And I think if I can kind of, I think that to add value, I think we ought to be like super efficient. Let's share the insight. Let's move on. Let's share because I want to make sure that I mean we could take any of these and make an entire lesson about it. I think, but I want to make we, sure we of them as we possibly can. Yeah, we probably could go on an hour on each of these if we really wanted to. But so if yeah. I bring one up that you caught something in the same talk, though, chime in. Like, let's kind of do that for Deal. each other. Okay. Right. Um, first one was Amy A. Wright. And I didn't go back and look up titles of the talks or anything like that. But one of the things that she was talking about is the cumulative impact of teaching. And she brought up specifically that sometimes, you know, we will have a great come follow me lesson. Congratulations to you when you do. But that isn't necessarily what's going to make the impact. What is going to make more of an impact is the cumulative effect of trying to have come follow me, even with all the failed attempts. Uh -huh. Also trying to live the things that you're teaching, setting goals with your family, setting goals with, you know, your class, whatever. People actually um, kind of almost like little line upon line. Oh, wait, we talk about learning that way. Oh, that's crazy. But the cumulative impact of all of those different things that we're teaching has more of an impact than a super phenomenal lesson one time. That's a great, great thought. So tangentially on, on that, actually the, the same thing, Jan E. Newman, the afternoon of Saturday. Yep. He is the, I think, the second counselor in Sunday school presidency. Yeah. Um, he mentioned and and I don't I put this down as a quote. I don't know if it was really a quote or just a quote from my mind. I like to quote myself sometimes. <laughs> Your different brains are really worth quoting. It's really great. <laughs> That's right. He said, I said, not sure. Don't worry about accomplishing something grand each time. Just be consistent. And I don't even think he was talking about teaching itself at that moment, but when I when I thought of teaching, don't worry about knocking it out of the park every single time you teach, every single time you talk to your child. It doesn't have to be a spiritual moment every single time. Every time you interact or you know have a you know for missionaries, when you teach a lesson, it doesn't have to be a knock it out of the park every single time. Of course, we want to aim for that as much as possible, but it's not going to be because things happen. But um, and then he says, just be consistent. And then that goes with the comment that you just talked about. It's the cumulative effect over time. 
Right. Uh, you well, knew those enough. And then that all, that they pulled together as a huge thing. Right. Like they almost assimilate themselves. Like they, yes. so in his talk, I loved the fact that he was talking specifically about how do we help our children and other people feel a desire to come closer to Christ. And so as he's talking about, um, you know, kind of this cumulative effect or this consistency over time, um, I think part of what he was saying is you almost have to shift your goal too. And this is what I pulled out of his talk, that our job is not to connect all the dots for people or to make it all happen for people. This might've been a, a thought in my mind, not that he said out loud, but still our job is to instill a desire in people to learn more. And so I kept thinking, and this is something that happened across um, several different talks, that we talk so much about our job being to help people feel the spirit, but our job is literally just that the end. Like it is not to dump knowledge, to disseminate information, to draw all the conclusions, to do any of that. We are trying to instill a desire in people. We're trying to just want, help them want it more, which actually goes to, um, here was it, was it the, I, there was something, hold on. I want to find the right talk. Um, shoot. I can't find which talk it was, but it, it was about the idea that if our job is to help them feel the spirit and to help them instill a desire, the purpose of teaching is for people to help convert themselves. It's all about yes. and We don't do that at all. What do you mean we? Who's we? We teachers are not mm. responsible for other people's conversion. Conversion happens through the spirit. And so I think like as a missionary, we used to talk about our converts and that always kind of made me go, eh. like we were the instrument, we played a part, but like the conversion happens not because of something cool we've said and the conversion should never be to the missionary, to the teacher. The conversion needs to be to Jesus Christ and to heavenly father. And that can only happen through the spirit. And so I really, this time felt so strongly, this kind of cliche you know, we've got to do everything we can to invite the spirit. Our job is to invite the spirit. But like our only job is to help invite the spirit, to work with the spirit, to instill in other people a desire to come closer, to feel the spirit, to help facilitate the spirit working in them towards conversion. And I really felt that this time, like in my heart. I love that. I have thought so many times we only have let's say 40 minutes, if we're teaching a class or if we're teaching a missionary discussion or if we're doing seminary or if we're with our kids, it's even, it's even less sometimes, or maybe it's more, I, yeah, I mean, little bits, right? <clears throat> there's no, like you said, there's no way we can get all the information we want. We've, we've studied, we've learned, and we want to just blah, barf all this on our kids, on, on the class. And that's not what they need. Even like you said, even more, we need to bring in the spirit so that they feel a desire to go do it themselves because conversion is what we're really after, right? It isn't just a testimony. A testimony is good. That's great. We want that, but it's conversion. And there is no way, I mean, we talk about the, uh, uh, the, the parable of the virgins and the, and the oils and the lamp, right? Yeah. 
we can't share our conversion. We can't share our experiences. Every single person has to experience it differently. And if we're not helping them experience and we're just giving them basically text that we read, then we may be missing the boat there. And okay, so I found it. It was okay. Dylan that talked about this. Okay. Duh, right? So he was saying it, and I was thinking about this from the perspective of, you know, somebody who's teaching specifically, that it is not just about knowing something, it's about becoming something. And so mm. our job shifts so much if we're talking about, it's not just about teaching something, it's about inspiring conversion, not dispensing knowledge. It's about in helping people feel the spirit. You know what I mean? So good. Yes. So I found, I was so funny because I'm like, I know I was in there somewhere and I loved his talk. I don't know why yes. I can, you know. I did too. It. Yes. Okay. Another one I have here. Yes. Robert M. Danes. Oh yes. That was the next one on my list too. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe for different reasons. I don't know. So my thought, uh, so he's, he talked about face blindness. Uh-huh. And the thought that came into my mind first off was what face blindness, what version of face blindness? So for example, I'm colorblind, but there are many different versions of being colorblind. I mean, it could be all black and white, which my wife thinks that I am. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I am, I don't know. But you know, there's red, green, there's red, blue, there's a whole, you know, there's a number of different types. And then, so I started to think about face blindness. What version of face blindness do I have with Heavenly Father? And, and what am I missing that I should have? And then the thought was, I teach from that perspective. Could you imagine me teaching? I mean, I mean <laughs> honestly, I have, and it doesn't go very well. I've tried to teach my kids colors. <laughs> Only because I know just how profoundly colorblind you actually are. That's really funny. <laughs> yep. 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 I'm like, okay, look, this is blue. And another kid will walk by. That's purple, Dad. Oh, dang. Never mind. <laughs> maybe I should just, maybe I should just stop right now. <laughs> no, but the point you're making is so valid. Like we bring those blindnesses. You know, they can be in the form of biases, mm -hmm. they can be in the form of just, you know, literally things that we haven't connected yet. They can be in the form of prejudices that we have in terms of things that like we do or don't jive with that someone has said. And yeah, come out our mouth sometimes like we yes. bring them. Yes. And and honestly, sometimes I'll listen to a teacher and I'll go, hmm. That seems a little bit off. And I and I and now that I think about it, it's 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 a maybe a type of face blindness with that. But at the same time, I can't I can't say, oh, well, you're less of a teacher because I have those at the same time. I, I know I do. So I need to take a look at myself and figure out where am I face blind and then how do I correct that so that I can be more and then there is another one later on we might talk about about um truth and about oh yes i know that's john c pingree yes yes it was yes we'll we'll come to that later but 
to tag onto that. What truth am I not quite getting right that I'm teaching from a different perspective and how can I align those? So that was my thought there. What about yours with his talk? Okay, and then I have some thoughts on the finger talk too. Maybe we should jump to that one next. Okay, sounds good. So uh, there was a line that he said that I loved and he said, are we lip syncing or singing the song of redeeming love? This is- uh, Oh, yes. So when he was talking about, like it, I can't, I can't totally remember how it connected to the face blindness thing, but um, part of what really stuck out to me from this, which is a bit disconnected from the point we were just making, is how can we teach in a way that take goes past lip syncing? Because I think that sometimes as teachers we are lip syncers. Is that Boy, fair? That, like it's a thing to say. That that just blew my mind. Honestly, I had. To look at it from that perspective of teaching by lip syncing or teaching by singing with redeeming love, which comes from yeah. Alma chapter five. Um, wow. Right. Like it kind of did that to me too. And I started thinking about this next thought, how it connects. He talks about how if we can look at service in the church as carving channels for the river of God's love to reach other people. So think about this visual of, you know, carving channels. So in the Bernstein Bears, um, there is a book where Mama Bear is teaching Sister Bear about habits. And she's talking about this wheelbarrow that she takes down this, you know, certain path every day to get to the garden and how it's kind of created this channel, right? And it goes really easily when you're in the channel, but that sometimes it's a little bit hard, you know, when you need to change a habit, for example, and get out of the channel. And I thought, well, what are some of the channels that we're creating in our classes, be them mm. good habits or bad habits, right? But what if we could consciously and consistently be working to kind of carve out this channel, which happens over time, which happens over, you know, kind of doing the these this over and over with intention that would allow God's love to be felt by others that would be kind of creating a channel for the river of his love. That visual to me was so powerful. And it reminded me of a comment that someone made in class one time. And I think I may have referenced this before, but I just want to say it again, where she talked about as a primary president, almost having this vision, if you will, of herself standing at the door and Jesus sitting at the front. And she wanted these kids to go have an experience with Jesus. And so as they'd come in the door, she would find herself saying things to them. And what she would say, you know, would either kind of propel them towards him or it might cause them to look back or look in a different direction or whatever. And she said, I never, the learning for her was I never want to say or do something that would distract, detract, prevent, or get in the way of someone coming closer to Jesus. And I think that as teachers, we run the risk of doing that sometimes, that we can say or do things or teach in a way that actually causes the opposite to happen. And this actually comes from a different talk. Um, uh, he talked about, I can't find it again, of course, about teaching with love specifically. And he said that you can, oh, it's in the Pingree talk, right? About truth. Okay. He says, truth taught with, um, without love can cause resentment. Oh, yes. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Uh, 
love without truth <clears throat> is hollow. And so I'm thinking about that in terms of carving these channels that we genuinely have a job to get to know the people that we're teaching. So for a missionary, getting to know the people we're teaching. If we are a parent, really investing in understanding our kids and what they love and what they want to know. If we are an instructor in a classroom, if it's in our ward, get to know our ward better. Like you can't effectively love someone and carve out these channels, so to speak, without investing in them. And I think that we look at our job a little bit differently when we think about trying to carve these channels with intention and it it forces us to look at people more closely to invest in what their current individual experiences might be and it, it's hard work so the what you just said made me think kind of reevaluate me as a parent as a teacher parent and am i doing anything that might distract and carve channels that may not be leading right to the savior, right? Am I? Right. So the other thing, and this is actually where it connects to this idea of lip syncing. I think if we are singing the song of redeeming love, we are doing that well. I think it's when we are putting our fake foot forward or just mm. letting they'll say words because we think they're the right words to say versus actually feeling the words. You know, when we talk about testifying, we've talked about that in podcasts past, right? We want it to come from a place that is super authentic. We can't lip sync our testimonies. And I right. think that sometimes we get to the end of a class and we're like, oh, I've got to close this up with a testimony. And we might lip sync our way through that. And so if our focus if we really truly are coming from a place where we are trying so hard not to lip sync we might have less to say but i think that what we say speaks more loudly than all of the other beautiful articulate words that we might have packed it with that weren't as authentic i love that a quick experience that made me think of was um my oldest son bryson he's great at playing piano um and before he left on his mission, I believe it was, he was playing this piece and we went into um, a room that has a piano and I ha brought my audio recording stuff and I thought, okay, let's, let's record this and then put some video to it and it would be cool. And so we played it and it was good. And then I said, oh, right. Now I want you to think of you're playing this song for your mom who is about to die and the piece was completely different it was it came from his heart it the dynamics were unbelievable and that's that's the one we took and used in the video and it was it was great but teaching is the same way are we are we doing it to that level of I want you all to know this and bearing testimony like that or saying, yep, this is, this, this is, these are the facts. This is what it is. And then moving on. I think or that even, is so profound. Even like, oh, this is such good information. I'm super excited about it versus, wow, I've taken the time to figure out how this applies to my life. I've practiced that this week. I've, da, 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 da. do you know what I mean? Okay. Here's another one. I've heard yeah. many people say, you go to youth, for example, you're the best. You are the best ever. You're awesome. 
compared to I love you. And here's why. Very, very different. Right. Totally. And I'm not putting down the people who say you're awesome because there are times when when it's appropriate to say that and that's OK. But at the same time, are we doing it from here or are we lip syncing it from here? Well, and we don't want to let ourselves off the hook saying, oh, you know, I had somebody ask me this one time. They're like, do you tell your family that you love them? And, you know, like in text messages and stuff. And they said there's a big difference between love ya and I love you. Right. You know what I mean? And I thought, oh, do I let myself off the hook and think I'm expressing love or think I'm expressing testimony or think I'm whatever because I'm saying the words and making sure, oh, they know that I love them. We're like high-fiving. We're like hugging. <laughs> but we let ourselves off the hook almost versus Good point. really – investing in someone enough to be able to pay them a sincere compliment, like learning enough about them to be able to pay them a sincere, sincere and meaningful compliment. You know, they're going to feel something totally different from that versus, oh my gosh, I love da, 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 your outfit. Wow. Whatever surfacey things that we, oh yeah, I pay them compliments. I Yeah. In our family, we do, we, we say, I love you a lot. I mean, that's when we hang up the phone, love you. Bye. Right. And yeah. we're done and we move on. But I, uh, a few months ago, I saw, I think it was on Instagram, I saw a video of some random guy, and I loved this. I loved what he said. He says, every night when I tuck my kids into bed, I take their face and I put my hands on their face and I say something like, I am so thankful that you are in my life, or I love you because of this. Or you made me smile so much today when you did this. Thank you. It, I know that you love me too. Thank you. I mean, and all of a sudden I realized, whoa, am I getting to that? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I do at some points, but most of it is, like you said, kind of off the cuff. But I think maybe I need to dive in a little bit deeper with each of my kids and teach them how much I love them. Oh, that is so good, Kevin. That is so good. Oh, and it it hit me big time. Yeah, I, I yeah. That is awesome. Okay. Okay. Oh, really quickly, I did have just this other thought connected to carving channels that help us to okay. feel God's love, and I thought about how do we help people feel God's love, right? And I think one of the ways that they can feel it is in the scriptures, yes. and so really getting in and when we teach from the scriptures. Sometimes we think that we're just teaching knowledge and we're trying to help people understand the scriptures better, but that is a way that we can carve out a channel for people to feel God's love, to help instill in them, going back to this other talk from earlier, instilling in them a desire to learn more, to seek more on their own because they're like, oh my gosh, the scriptures are so much richer than I at first read recognized or whatever. And then the second, we, I think, feel his love through each other. And so creating an environment where people talk about how they've applied gospel principles, talk about how, you know, what we're talking, what we're discussing in class might, um, you know, be or translate into their actions or translate into a new goal or a habit or something like that. And I think that we um, need to really make sure that we are creating space for those authentic discussions in class because we feel God's love through each other. So that made me also think 
not only in class, but how can we do that with our families as well, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Great point. Great. Yeah, point. yeah. I mean, we have come follow me, but how many? I mean, <laughs> how many times has come follow me? All right, sit down. Let's read. Did you learn anything from your reading? And, and we get through it. But the authentic discussion, and and maybe 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 the one of one of the questions we should ask is how do we take turn it from kind of the surface level into the authentic discussions that you were talking about. You know, I think and as you're saying that, I'm thinking about like my own family and, you know, I have a special needs son. And so he just, it, we actually do come follow me when he goes to bed. Sure. And so my oldest is 16 and then my youngest is 12. And then my special needs son sandwiched in the middle. And so there's kind of an age gap there. And I've discovered mm. that, the authentic discussion that I have with one is very different than the one that I have with the other and that they derail each other a little bit when one of them kind of starts sure. going off on something. And so I've kind of had to shift my mind a little bit to say, this is going to be an Addy discussion, or this is going to be more focused on the, and just allowing it to be whatever it needs to be for that kid and not worry about reaching both at the exact same time because their needs are so different. And then I can kind of you know, have a little private conversation or a side conversation or a hot chocolate drinking conversation where we're just sitting at the counter and you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. Addie and I like cereal together sometimes as a snack. And so we'll have our cereal conversations and those aren't formal, but those are where I think the unscripted authentic dialogue about whatever it is that we've been discussing might, you know, come up a little bit more naturally. That's very good. That can be applied in so many different ways. I mean, you applied it to your to those two kids of yours, but then apply it to the classroom. Totally. Right. Apply it to missionary discussion. Apply it to et cetera. I love that. Love it. Good. Sorry, we spent a lot of time on that one. Should we jump down to Pingree? Because that's what we said we were going to do next. Yeah, let's do that. What are your thoughts? So I love this topic. I love this topic so much. Truth. And he asked the question, what is our understanding of truth, right? And we I know- I thought of you immediately. <laughs> you know, I, I love this. And so my whole thing, this framework that has really deeply resonated with me is that yes, there is such a thing as absolute truth, but we on our own don't have access to that. The source of absolute truth is our heavenly father. He can teach us absolute truth through the, the Holy Ghost, right? right? And so in order for us to write a story, about truth, because everybody just has a story. Nobody has a brain with all the access yet, yet, someday. Yet. Um, and so the story that we write about truth is what we teach from. We don't teach from like a complete understanding. And so we have to really seek the spirit to inform our understanding of truth. So while he was talking about this, he framed it as Heavenly Father reveals truth through a network of revelatory relationships. Very good. Did you pick up on yes, this? Yes, yes, yes. Right. And so, but when he described the network, it isn't just himself, Jesus Christ, prophets and apostles, the Holy Ghost. It was you and me and her and him. And that is, it's, I've really been thinking a lot lately about the fact that none of our covenants can be lived in isolation. <clears throat> and that right. that is part of what we're talking about here. Like we have these networks of revelatory relationships that can benefit and bless our lives. And then we can also be on 
the giving end of that once in a while, that sometimes the things that we learn and the insights that we have in our lives, we have to speak up and share because we are part of the network on both the giving and the receiving side in that. So when you heard that, did you have any thoughts in mind as to, I mean, you kind of generally described it, but did you have any thoughts in mind, maybe even particular thoughts around who that was that was in that network for you? Yeah, I did. And I thought, and maybe you, maybe you have somebody specific that you thought of too, but I thought of some of the people in my life that I love to just sit with and have like couch talk that teach me through their experiences and how they process those experiences in a way that kind of opens up this channel for me to receive more personal revelation. Like it's pretty rad. Did you kind of have that same experience? I did. I had specific people I had in mind, but then I jumped, my mind jumped to my wife who said that she was in a stake meeting where the spirit was there and it was, it was incredible. They were talking about service and planning some service thing. And they just said, wow, this, she said, she came back saying, this was incredible, revelatory. The spirit was there. And so I thought, my first thought was all these different people. And then I thought, oh, inner meetings. Right. That's a great point. We can have revelatory experiences. And, and that can be our, our, the circle of, uh, of, of people who we can have those experiences with. Even there, because we think of logistic, we think of meetings often as logistical. You know, we're there, we're going to teach or no, we're not going to teach. We don't think about teaching in, in meetings. Typically, it's more of let's get these things done. This is our agenda. But really, maybe the agenda behind a meeting should be about revelatory experiences. As we try to process other things, you know, it's so interesting that you say that, because one of the things that I was really um inspired by was when my husband was first called as bishop, he kind of had this um, meeting that he was really kind of anxious about with his ward council. And he wanted to talk to them about the purpose of ward council. And he wanted to frame it as being about like relationships and about people. And he's like, I have sat in so many meetings where the logistics take over or where we have a spiritual thought. 20 minutes or where and he said i want us to be so intentional and together set a purpose for these ward council meetings and then figure out how we're going to hold each other accountable for sticking to those purposes and he came back just absolutely floored by the kind of emotional synergy that could take place in those ward councils for the benefit of the members of our ward. And, you know, I'm not privy to those. I don't sit in those meetings, but as he described it, I could tell that it was just a really profoundly spiritual experience for him. And, and they've been able to continue that. I'm, I was really nice. inspired by that. That is great. Yeah. Again, not often do we think of meetings as that, but they can be. And, totally. And I work with some of the young men and trying to have those kind of experiences during our presidency meetings. <laughs> That's a challenge. That's a real challenge. But I'm trying. <laughs> but it, even just being intentional about it, though, I think that that's part of it is that we go into meetings to check them off our list sometimes and to just get through X, Y, and Z. And 
if we can just say, okay, we really want to just make sure that we insert something in here. And I, I remember being involved in a young woman's presidency once, and I think I was the secretary. And I sat in that and I remember stepping back because you have different view when you aren't the president. When you're the president, you have pressure that you don't have as the secretary, yep. right? So there is no criticism whatsoever in this statement. But I was a little bit surprised as the new person in this presidency, they had all been working together for a while, how little we talked about individual girls. Mm. And I was really kind of bothered by that because I thought that the point of coming together as a presidency was to really address the needs of these girls. And so I went and I talked to her about it and we did like have a really great discussion. And I, I realized, I mean, that's just not how some people are going to run their meetings and that's totally fine. But we did find a way to discuss those needs. And, and that, I think that that's a really important thing is to recognize that different presidents and of different auxiliaries are going to do things differently. And instead of sitting in this place of criticism where we're like, well, I think we should be talking about da 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 to invite the spirit so that we can, that we can actually get in our own way of feeling the spirit in those meetings because we're too busy being critical about how we think it ought to be run. Right. I uh, caution, I guess, in the process. Guilty. Guilty. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Yep. Okay, there was one other thing um, in his talk. So this is Pingree again, right? Um, and I loved that he put the onus on us. He, you know, he talks about how the Holy Ghost can reveal truth to us, but that we are expected to seek, recognize, and act on truth. Mm. And that that puts me in, you know, a, a position when I'm thinking about teaching where I want to help people to be able to do that, but that's not our responsibility. Like we want to help people recognize truth. We want to discuss truth and we need to talk about how we can make those connections to how we can actually do something with it. But each one of us individually has the responsibility to be seeking for recognizing and acting on it. And I also started to realize something that he talked about, and I think it was him, may have been somebody else talking about how important it is to teach our kids how to feel the spirit and how to recognize when they're feeling the spirit, like how oh, to see yes. from the spirit. So I didn't say that very well. Um, and I realized that I would have a difficult time articulating to my kids um, very many ways, very much variety in that. And I think it's because I am still trying to understand that better. I'm still trying to channel that in my life. Like I can give you a couple of really clear ways that I think the spirit communicates with me, one of them is in clarity of thought when I'm trying to process a bunch of information and all of a sudden I'm like, this is what it is. And those clarities come to me through the spirit. And I'm like, that is the spirit talking. I want to act on that. That's I'm mm -hmm. going with whatever mm -hmm. that is. But when it comes to some of the other more subtle ways in my life, I think I'm missing it a lot. And so it spoke to me that in order for me to be able to teach that to anybody else, to my children, to anybody else, I've got to get better at really recognizing it myself. And that's one of the, I guess, gifts and also curses of teaching is that you really do realize how much you don't totally understand yourself as you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you're not alone, Julie. Um, I remember talking with some missionaries. We were outside of, uh, just outside on our property. We were chopping wood together. And I said, okay, what is one of the most difficult questions that you get from those who, the, the, those who teach? And the, one of them that came up was, what does the spirit feel like? 
Mm. And, and how do I recognize the spirit? And so we started talking about, okay, how do you answer that? And they were really struggling. And I realized, like you, I have a hard, would have a hard time trying to articulate what the spirit feels like because we all feel it differently. And, and, I, think it, and I think I agree with you. Sometimes maybe I feel it and I don't, I don't recognize it as I might. But at the same time, I need to be able to articulate it. I need to be able to articulate that answer like many different ways. Yeah. Um, not just, here's my one rote answer I'm going to use. No, I need to be able to understand how I feel the Spirit so well that I can easily articulate it so that when I talk to my children, I can tell them. And then, mm-hmm. and then so this is actually another topic I want to get on another time. Recognize it. And then say, what did it teach you? Or what are you going to do because of it? That, that's kind of almost a, the next step of after you've recognized it, well, now what? Introspective question. Mm, look at huh. that. How fancy. Interesting. You're so fancy. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so we, do you have anything to add to the Pingree talk, by the way? I feel like I Not on that you. one, no. Okay. Where do you want to yeah. go? Uh, Elder Run then. Oh. This is just so simple. I don't have a lot to say on this. He pointed out, he said, he talked about looking beyond the mark. And he said, Jesus is the mark. And when it comes to teaching, my thought was, the five best ways of doing this, or the steps of repentance, or all of this, and you know, how do you do this? How kind of the logistical things of the gospel? Um, good to know. It's it's important to know. But it comes back to Jesus every single time. And if I and the way I felt is if I am not focusing on Jesus when I'm speaking, but my focus is more on the five steps to do this or my my cool. Uh, you know, I'm blanking on the on the term, but you know, I bring something in and say, "Here, you here, you know, here object lesson." There you go. If if I'm if I'm more focused on my object lesson than I am on turning it back to Jesus and making sure how it connects to Jesus, then I'm missing the mark in my teach while I teach. You know what that reminds me of is this week um, I'm studying Philippians. And in chapter two of Philippians, there's a chiasmus that spans like verses six through 11 of chapter two or something like that. And so what I hear you describing Mm. right now sounds to me like we ought to frame our teaching like a chiasmus. And at the center of almost every chiasmus in scripture is Jesus. And so, and if you think these chiasmus, they are like an X, right? And they get to the main, and then you can almost see it like building out in either direction from there. And so if we start our teaching with what is the center of the chiasmus, it's always going to be Jesus. And then we build out from there. It will always come back to Jesus. That's so good. Oh, so I loved that thought. That was, that was great. Always I, Jesus is the mark. Always so is. I, um, there was, <laughs> so we, okay. One more thing. We, we would have uh, mission ward mission meetings forget yeah. the exact title of it, but board mission meetings. 
And there's this one lady who is recently brought back to the gospel. She had been baptized when she was young in the South. And then, but her family didn't continue on. And then she moved here and got in touch with the missionaries again and totally came back to the church. Incredible. And we would say, okay, do this and this and this and this. And she goes, but remember, it's all about Jesus. It's all oh. about Jesus every single time. The answer is Jesus. And we're like, you're right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for reminding every single time. She was such a good uh, reminder of that. Oh, I love it. That is sweet. so awesome. That is yeah. so, so awesome. Um, so this kind of goes along with that. Okay. Can I do a different talk? Yes. Okay. I loved Alan Phillips talk, Alan T. Phillips. Okay. Um, and you know what? thing I just realized that a lot of the newly called 70s are the ones that I picked things out from. Hmm. Notice that because it's like Robert M. Danes and Alan T. Phillips and John C. Pingree. I think those were the, some of the new ones. Okay. He said that religion is not just about our relationship with God. It's also, maybe he didn't say this. Maybe I said this in my brain, but whatever. <laughs> he taught this somehow. It's also about our relationship with each other. Okay, so religion is not just about our relationship with God. It's also about our relationship with each other. And so when you were talking about this lady saying, remember, it's all about Jesus. Remember, it's all about Jesus, right? It made me think of the term righteousness. I was studying a little bit about this and talked about this in um, the religion class that I teach last week. And the term righteous, I love how somebody framed it. And I don't even remember who, where they talked about it meaning in right relationship. Hmm. So... I think about when we are, you know, focused on being righteous, when we are practicing, you know, things that we feel like are righteous or, you know, doing right, <laughs> behaving in a way that I don't even know how to frame this, but it, it is with the goal of being in right relationship with God. And the epiphany that I had this last week is that we can't be in right relationship with Heavenly Father if we aren't in right relationship with each other. Very good. I think it's part of why, you know, President Nelson's been focusing so much on getting rid of contention and becoming a peacemaker. And so some of our efforts, you know, need to be focused on being in right relationship with each other. And so when he talked about the idea of religion, not just being about our relationship with God, but also being about our relationship with each other, it also made me think of Emily Bell Freeman's talk, where she talked about covenants as a relationship. And that when we studied the Old Testament, that was something that was really, really clear to me that we're talking about covenantal relationship with Heavenly Father, not just about rules of behavior when we talk about covenants. And so if we think about it as covenantal relationship, it also would kind of, I guess, make sense to me that a lot of those covenants have to do with our relationships. Like that you can't live your covenants in isolation. I think I said that a little bit earlier. And I think that religion is the same way. When we look at religion as, you know, and a lot of people really do have kind of beef with organized religion, I think because we often make it about just our relationship with God or just our relationship with each other and forget that religion really serves the purpose of both, helping us come closer to our Heavenly Father, but also helping us develop better relationships with one another and live with more peace and more unity and more love with each other. That's so very good. I think as, as, as I was listening to you, 
one of the things that I, I thought of is that my my professional work has been more on organizations and I don't know and and I think I am more deficient in the relationship piece and and maybe my wife may agree with this that <laughs> I don't know maybe my kids I, I don't know maybe others but I I look at things from an organizational perspective a lot and not yeah. as not as much on the relationship inter you know one on one or one on a few relationship and that maybe I ought to do that a lot more well, when I when I was thinking about this and what you're describing right now, I, I realized I didn't really make the connection to teaching, which is that sometimes we look at teaching from an organizational perspective, right? Mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we say, I've got this group. I want to try and meet the needs of the whole group. How am I going to do that? And we forget that it is actually about each of the individuals in that space. And you have to manage both. I'm not suggesting that you can you know, give up one and still be successful. Like you really do have to right. manage both. But if we're considering, you know, a lot of what we've talked about together today, if our job is to create these channels for people to feel Heavenly Father's love, part of what we're trying to do is strengthen the relationships within those collective groups. If you're teaching a group of youth, you want to help them have unity as a class. You want to mm -hmm. help create a safe space and creating a safe space where people can really bring their hard questions and talk about the hard things that they're going on going through in their lives and then then it religion so to speak sunday school young women's young men's all of it becomes as much about that relationship within that class as it does about the information that you're trying to actually teach in that class to help them learn how to be you know a better disciple or whatever so, so i don't think i don't think you can put I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't think that there's a right answer. And I don't think that one is better than the other, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Is it better to have more of a one when you're, let's say you're teaching in a class, better to focus on the one on one relationship or better to focus on the class as a whole relationship? So but I, I actually don't think that you have the luxury of focusing on the one on one relationship. I don't think that that's a luxury that you necessarily have. But what I would say, and this is just kind of from my own, some sometimes I get to know people well enough that I know an issue that someone has, for example, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mean, obviously I know people better than just one person and know one issue. But if I, for example, have that in the back of my mind, um, I'm a little bit more sensitive about how I present something maybe to the whole group. Or Certainly. if I the back of my mind, sometimes it helps to actually guide my thoughts and preparation for that class because I'm like, oh, I know that so-and-so is going through this one thing. And then when the spirit is kind of, I'm working with the spirit to try and figure out what to teach. I'm like, well, I don't want to make it all about them, but the spirit can guide me based on what I understand about other people's needs. So I actually don't think that we have the luxury of just making it about the one. I think that we, though, are blessed when we understand more about the individuals in that group do you do you agree with that like tell me what your thoughts are i completely agree with that because i do the same thing as i teach i'm thinking about oh i need to frame this topic in this way so that it it helps this person because i know that they're struggling with this or this i mean right yeah and absolutely so what i hear you say is that having the one-on-one -on -one relationships will only strengthen and help 
the let's say if again if we're if we're talking about teaching a class we'll only help the teaching in the class itself and if we don't have those one-on-one -on -one relationships it may be more difficult to do that and there are times though that we have to teach a class that we i mean you just for example you just gave a keynote or i don't know about just but recently and yeah. you probably didn't know anyone there or maybe you maybe didn't right yeah. but you still have to do teaching somehow with that so there are times when that happens but if we have an ongoing class for example getting to know them one-on-one -on -one will help with the class and the unity and the strength there as well is that what i hear you say totally you know it's interesting because and i'm i'm i want to make one more connection to that because i think when when we think about the prayer circle in the temple right before you participate in the prayer circle they talk about mm -hmm. things that you have for other people and half the time you don't know the people you know and so you're like i don't have any unkind feelings towards them because i don't even know them right. you know but think about the reason that that's brought up it is because in that moment they want the spirit of the lord to be unrestrained and in our classes i think that part of what we are trying to do is create an environment where the spirit of the lord doesn't have to be restrained in any way or isn't restrained by you know some of these um kind of interpersonal conflict or struggles or things like that that we might have and and if we are for example aware of some of the needs and some of the challenges then we are more sensitive we are able to um i think teach with a more perceptive and discerning spirit so that we aren't creating built walls where the spirit of the lord would be restrained because we have just offended someone or whatever the case may be and i think that that also goes in in a classroom i've had times where i've been facilitating and someone has said something that i felt was very insensitive based on what i understood um of someone else's needs mm -hmm. and i've actually spoken up at times to just clarify what they're saying because they didn't say it with the intent of hurting anybody's feelings but to be able to kind of rephrase or reframe what they're saying or even say hey i think we need to make sure that we're sensitive to the fact that not everybody experiences x y and z the same way and just bring it up so that there aren't these walls that instantly pop up with other people because of an, a comment that could potentially be offensive spoken by someone else. And we can only do that if we are perceiving and sensitive to and understanding the needs of the other people in that space. I love it. Thank you. Wow. I've learned so much from you today. Uh, vice versa. <laughs> Did you have any more? I, that, I actually got through all of the things that I wanted to on my list. Good. So, Kevin, what do you have? No, Anything that's, else? that's, I think, I think that's good. Um, my, yeah, I, I have so many things to go away from this and be thinking about now. Yeah, Thank me you. too. I, I wish that we could actually have other people, um, share that same thing. Like I wish that I could hear what other people say, because some of the Agreed. things that you brought up, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. That didn't even, I didn't even connect those dots. And what a blessing or benefit to be able to like learn from other people's insights like this. I wish we could have more conversations like this. I do too.
this the, these kind of conversations are i think where the meat is this is where i as a teacher really learn i mean i can go and learn and i can read uh teaching in the savior's way and i can i can do these things and that's good and and, and i should but it's conversations like this relationships like this right where you can where i can learn so much more because we're bouncing ideas off of each other the spirit can be there and uh, I, I gain insights that I have never thought of, or I would never thought of, think of at all, thanks to you. So thank Part you. Part of the regulatory network, Kevin, right? There you go. I love it. I love yes, it. This yes. is a lot of fun. This is so good. So um, our whole goal here is to help create and strengthen gospel teachers. So if you would, one way we can do that is to get this to more teachers, to help them hear and learn and just i mean we don't want them to come here and say oh kevin and julie you know they're you know uh everything they said is great. we want them to take we want you to take this information and then go do something about it and go have your own experiences not just take what we learn and 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 take that as gospel you know take this and then go act on it and go spread it with others and help others and yourself become even better gospel teachers. So one of the ways you can do that is to subscribe, to comment, to on the podcast, go leave a comment or a review of review. That's what I'm thinking of, of a review or whatever it is. Just share it with others if you would um, to help them also be better teachers. Now, what we don't want you to do, of course, is think, oh, <laughs> that one person, they need to be a better teacher. I'm going to share that. <laughs> That is <laughs> that. Wait, hopefully, we've said enough things right now that people would not think that that was the goal. Oh, so and so needs this. Right, yes. right. That <laughs> reminds me of um, President President Nelson's talk in the previous conference in April, where he talks about being peacemakers. And it, it, in the middle, he goes, "At this point, you might be thinking that this talk would be really good for so and so." I totally remember that. I totally remember that. That's not the purpose. We want to be better, but we also want to help others be better at the same time. So uh, if you would like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Any last parting words of wisdom, Julie? No, I'm just so grateful that we're all learning together. None of us are perfect at this. Let's keep doing it. Amen. Great. Thanks for awesome. tuning in, everyone. Until next time, we'll catch you then. Bye. Thanks. Bye.